All right, Kelvin. Um, thanks for sitting down. Um, I, I guess uh, just to share a little bit of my thoughts and heart um, with this video and um, I don't know what it's going to turn into if it's just going to be several conversations with other people or what. Um, but with uh, current um, this situation, I, I feel like with myself and um, some other uh, white friends that I have, like we've really just realized our need to shift um, and um, to pay attention and listen to issues of race that we hadn't before. Um, and uh, yeah, I wanted to talk to you first, just because, I mean, I, I love you and respect you a lot. Uh, you're one of my best friends and we've known each other for a long time. You've had a huge impact on my life and my walk with God. Um, but uh, yeah, just realizing recently that uh, we've, I feel like we've done over a hundred episodes of a podcast together and I don't feel like <laughs> we've talked about race and like your experiences. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I like, I, I want to one, just like apologize for not being cognizant of that. Um, and I want to kind of dive into maybe some of the reasons for that. Um, and, uh, just kind of see where things go. So, uh, I guess one of my thoughts with that is, um, I, I don't know. I just love you like a brother. And uh, there's like a part of me that almost like ra just like race issues don't matter to me. Um, but I feel like coming to a place of realizing that part of me saying it doesn't matter to me is because I don't know how to talk about it, even with a close friend like you. Um, sure. sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what your thoughts are with that. And if um if that's something that you've thought about much like with myself or other people in your life that's just like oh. you know what i mean yeah dude i i love you first and foremost <laughs> and like likewise like your relationship with jesus man is like impacted tremendously like my ability to see god work in so many different ways and like from me being in a place where i came up like in the church and i was very like I had a very terrible religious spirit, man. Like actually getting to meet you and talk to you and take the road trips that we've taken is like challenged my perspective in so many different ways. I didn't even know I needed. So I'm like eternally grateful for you for just like being a homie and loving me like faithfully and not for like what you can get out of me or like just being there, you know, mm -hmm. being available. It means the world to me, man. Like you've always treated me like family, even when you didn't know anything about me. Like the first day we hung out like at your house, the next time you mentioned it, he was like, hey, I'm going to Pennsylvania to see a friend of mine who does poetry. You want to come? <laughs> and I was like, I normally don't get in cars with strangers, but <laughs> I kind of feel that peace to like, to do it. I'm like, I'm, Josh is like Josh. Like the first time I met this guy, like you just, you just radiate love well, man, like you do. So I trusted that and I'm grateful for it. Um, yeah, and, and issues like this, like we're racing things like that. The hard part is that for most people, uh, especially like if you're a white person stepping into something like this man like you don't not everyone has a person they can talk to about these types of issues where the conversation doesn't backfire yeah so i, I want to definitely be like aware of that and say that for sure because not everyone is able to emotionally carry the weight of a conversation like this because normally what tends to happen is people don't necessarily know how to disagree without becoming without demonizing the other person, I guess. Yeah. So it puts a lot of tension on both ends. Um, 
from black people from our perspective culturally uh, when bringing these things up is the fear that we won't be understood or we'll be shoved aside as we've been used to like used to for like history's sake and maybe from you guys as in is like a fear of saying the wrong thing or saying the wrong trigger yeah. word and honesty just wanting to ask a question but not necessarily knowing how um so yeah there is like this disconnect but i am so glad to see now that the church um and in general people are stepping into bold territory where those things that once held us from not having these conversations are now like let's try to actually understand each other here because the way things have been like clearly hasn't working like it hasn't been working we've made tremendous strides i will say you know we have made a lot of progress but there's still a very long way to go so I'm glad to see that you are like stepping into this thing boldly and courageously and despite not understanding wanting to like that literally makes all the difference yeah so I want to thank you for like taking the time to walk through like the good the bad the awkward the ugly and all of that because it is quite the process no doubt about it sure and um yeah I'm I'm glad you brought up uh just like you know not knowing how to ask questions because it that's been one thought on my mind is like, um, I put, put my foot in my mouth a lot lately just with uh, social media posts. Um, but, uh, I feel like I've, I've grown a lot through it. Um, some other people like correcting me, offering different perspectives and also just like not being afraid to fall on my face, um, and not being afraid to learn from mistakes. Um, yes. I don't, I don't purposely make them, uh, but you know, um, I think there's a lot of growth there. Uh, so with that, like, I'm aware that I'll probably ask some of the wrong questions. Um, I don't know about wrong, you know, but just like, I don't know, things that could be un- insensitive, you know, um, sure. because I don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, just kind of going off of like how we met and got to know each other. I forgot that we even just like hung out on a road trip right after we met. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it was like literally like right after it was strange. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I've been thinking about, like, uh, related to you and just like in general is, um, I think that a lot of, I can't speak for everybody. So I'll just speak for myself. I am I'm assuming that maybe someone that's listening relates. I'll, I'll say it that way. Um, it's easy for me to have invited you along, um, and been like, dude, come on, you know, like, come on into what's happening, you know? Um, live in my house uh i mean you're living in my house now uh, but but as far as um i think for a lot of uh uh black people that i've known it's been maybe not even in my mind like how can i be involved in your life and in your culture if that makes sense um sure. so i don't know what your thoughts are on that like have you have you seen that as something that's something that you've thought about that like why is this not happening? Or um, have you experienced examples in your life of people that have kind of taken that step in a way that that's been positive or, or negative, I guess? Hmm. Um, I mean, for our friend group, uh, because like, for one, like our, our location kind of means a lot, like mm-hmm. in, in the way that we've met, there's not like a lot of people in our scene of color. <laughs> You know, uh, so there's like me, Dan, in this particular area of Michigan, like mainly us too, like to be honest. 
And I'm sure if there were more, like they will be around and they will be welcomed and they will be properly loved and walked in. Um, but I think that that definitely plays like a part into it is like the environment in which you stay in the environment in which you're in mm-hmm. um, makes it more available, makes it more accessible. Um, and also like if you're around people who already know the people that you know, it makes it that less um, awkward, you know, and actually getting to know a person. Um, so um I would say, like, on your end, I've never felt once that, like, that's been something that you've been apprehensive about, like, ever, Mm -hmm. Um, as long as I've ever known you. um, You've always been a person that was very welcoming, very communal. You understand, like, the value of the individual, which is, like, something you taught me, like, a long time ago. Like, Jesus does love his church, but he also loves the individual person. I like to meet people where they are. Um, That just echoes throughout our entire community group. So, like, the cool thing is that that legacy that you left here in Michigan is still going strong, you know, and that's like, it's really foundational for all of us. And I'm like super thankful for it. Um, there have been a few, I would say like uh, my, my buddy Gordon, who we've had on the podcast before, uh, Mr. Shearhorn, he was one of those guys that uh, when I was doing youth leader work back in uh, at Metro, he was one of the guys that was called to be like the foreseer for all the, the youth group students in our particular age group. And he like personally took it upon himself to like kind of step in and like be more like a, a friend, like to me, not necessarily like asserting himself as a mentor, Yeah. more like, Hey, there's, there's something about you that I see God working these things. And I see like X, Y, and Z potentials. Like if there's anything I can do to like be a friend or encourage those things, like, let me know, like, I'd love to be there for you as a support. So I've gotten, I would say, way more acceptance than I have been feeling rejected, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I guess kind of my thought with that, uh, I mean, I, I know that, like, you've experienced, like, that acceptance into the community, but as far as, like, well, I, I'll, I'll just give a couple examples, I guess. Um, sure. So I remember, um, gosh, I don't remember what year it was, but with, uh, I think it was, was it the Ferguson um, where like Black Lives Matter, uh, like mm-hmm. that initially came out of? Um, I remember at that time, really just like having this heart of like, I don't know, like I want to get involved as far as, uh, this is going to sound really terrible, but as far as caring more. Um, yeah. But uh, there's a part of me that like, I kept hearing about like, you know, the organization of BLM being like, you know, what they're about. Um, so that like caused hesitation in me um, to even like speak out or like to initiate conversation with you. Um, sure. And uh, there was like a part of me that was almost like, I don't know what role I as a white man has in actually, you know, become becoming terminology I've heard a lot lately is like becoming an ally you know almost like almost seeing as it it as not my thing um -hmm. which uh, I realize now is like I was just looking at things wrong but almost almost as though I just didn't know how to interact with it um sure so uh yeah I, I guess like with with that thought um and then again like uh I guess just not knowing how to maybe like celebrate um, black culture as a white guy. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day. It's called a uh, uh, white homework. 
um, mm-hmm. friend shared. It's excellent. Um, recommend anybody listen to it. I think it's really good. Um, but they had an episode where they're talking about um, black anger, um, but also black joy. Um, and they talked about how a lot of um, a lot of white people, and again, I don't know if this is for everybody, but like I, I kind of resonated with it where it's just like, yeah, I can see that. Um, just like, let's just say the things that are celebrated in black culture, I don't know how to interact with that um, because there's not like a white equivalent to that, I guess you could say, you know? Okay. I'm um, so, yeah. you know, like celebrating whiteness is not like a, a thing that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah 100% I understand yeah. but like 100% I understand like the value of that culturally um you know for a people group who just have had the history in this country that you've had um so uh yeah I don't know if you have any thoughts on like maybe how moving forward we can better interact with, with those things. Um, maybe, maybe part of that is an awareness for someone like yourself to like invite us in. Um, but also like us maybe initiating that. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of my thought. I don't know what you have. That's like, that's a beautiful thing. Like moving forward is like acknowledging the fact that, um, because we, we hear, like, the language said all the time, like, you know, I don't see color, like, you know, and yeah. for my heart, when people have said it to me, I know what it actually means and what I hear them, not just hear them, you know what I mean? It's like, I know what they're trying to say, mm-hmm. but um, the cool thing is, like, the way that the Lord has created all of us is that our cultures are, like, very different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, they're very different, but I feel like those differences, if we were to take them because like there's a way that God has uniquely made like individual cultures of people mm. and there are pieces of his glory that are, are in each individual culture of people if we keep those things only exclusive to our culture and not actually share them with the world like there are different sides of the Lord that we can see when those things are actually shared when we come together in unity versus when we try to exclusively own those particular things like these things are unique to black people or these things are only unique to white people or this is only Hispanic people things or Latino culture. You know what I mean? Like if we were to share those things amongst one another, especially as a church, because like the burden of proof is going to always be on us to be different, to be holy. Um, I feel like if we get that right as a church, that the world will see a unity that will confine the lies, you know, and will make them question in their hearts. Like these people who have these different unique histories are all like loving each other the same as if they were all one people. Like how does that even happen? Mm. And everything in culture tells them that there's no reason that these things should ever be. Um, I would say, like, it's really, it'd be really, really uh, encouraging, like, moving forward for us as, like, as African-American people to, like, offer that up as well, uh, to invite people in, uh, what that will look like. Um, I don't know, inviting our friends to the cookout. (laughs) there's always jokes about that. Like if there's like a family reunion or something like that, um, to like not be ashamed of our white friends that are like, that love us well, you know what I'm saying? Amongst our families. Cause on, on our end as black people, I would say there's a lot of fear, um, for, um, for like white people in general. And a lot of it is usually rooted in ignorance, to be honest. Um, for a lot of people that I knew growing up, uh, growing up, 
they were almost like taught to fear white people or to be afraid of them, yeah. uh, which also makes that connection hard because you have some cultures that are trying to step in and wanting to like share those differences. And then it's often met with like an apprehensive spirit or a fearful spirit that won't allow it. So like, there has to be like a want and a desire on both ends to like unify in that. Um, I would do that. I would take my friends to the family reunions, get them to meet my grandparents or like my aunts and my uncles, you know, just mm-hmm. to kind of diffuse that, that aura that we've been kind of taught. Like, I feel like a lot of times for African-American people, we get the, we get the brunt of the weight because our culture has been exploited for so long to be X, Y, and Z. And like for a lot of us who are actually trying, like we want to get rid of that stigma as much as we possibly can. So a lot of us will go out of our way to make sure we don't give off vibes that appear to be apprehensive or fearful just for like hoping to build a bridge if there was once a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's been most of my entire life, man. Um, even growing up, like I've always, I've always desired to see unity happen um, because granted we are different, we're all the same in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. So if we never lose sight of that, we can always see the value in one another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and that's, uh, I think, just like initiating those conversations would be a really good thing, you know, um, where, yeah, for as long as I've known you, this is the first time we've had this conversation and it's just like, you know, <laughs> way overdue. But, um, a lot of that comes with like this almost like uncom- uncomfortability or like not wanting to make it about race when it's just like, no, I mean, I, I'm aware that you're a black man. Like, I mean, you know, um, I feel then, like sometimes people forget, which is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like I, I blend in like so well with amongst like so many different cultures. People actually forget like, yes, I am an African-American male. Like I do live in America. I do have hardships. I don't make it my job to talk about them. Sure. I do experience them for sure. But yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good. I'm sorry, man. No, you're good. Um, but, but yeah, just initiating those things. Um, just cause it, w- it would feel very like weird to me to just be like, I don't know. I'll almost like invite myself in. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that that's one thing that I've uh, tried to do a little bit more before like quarantine shut down was like uh, sure. actually invite ourselves over to friends' houses a little bit. Um, and I never want to like step on toes. Um, and I'm not saying culturally um, or like any racial difference. I, I'm just saying like friends in general. Um, sure. It's been more of a, a thought of it's very comfortable for myself to invite somebody in to my house and make them feel welcome. Um, but uh, I think it's like a really cool thing to be like, Hey, what's your space? Like, you know, like what's, what, what's your life like, you know? Um, and just like to actually kind of see you know, how, how they're living, like how they do things um, in a way that, um, I don't know, some people might feel uncomfortable about like inviting oneself in, but I feel like uh, it can be the beginning to something like really cool and seeing and respecting differences. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that would, that would actually be pretty great 
like understanding the fact that it's it's always comfortable to invite someone to your house because you control the environment yeah but to actually place yourself in an environment that you don't control anything you're just more there for the person and allowing basically stepping into their world essentially Mm -hmm. i think that is a that is a huge step we can definitely take um yeah, it's going to take a thick skin, man, to like really, really push the ball up court. Because mm. like I said before, we haven't made an excellent stride since like, I would say like the Civil War, like the Civil Rights, not the Civil War, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the Civil Rights Movement, like we've made, like I would, I would be lying to say that we've made no progress since then. We've made a lot of progress since then. Yeah. I think things are like, to have to an extent have changed dramatically. But at the same time, because this issue cannot be legislated out of the hearts of people, yeah. you're going to have a long road ahead. Because like at the end of the day, this thing is a gospel issue. Um, a hard heart can only be changed by the Lord. But to like invite yourself in and want to do life with a person outside of your sphere of control, I think that's, that's a great way to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be an excellent way to be vulnerable. And it would show that person like, I'm I'm down to hang out and get to know you, even if it's not on my terms. And I think that could work both ways for like, for black people on my side who want to see reconciliation happen among like our white brothers and sisters or other culture brothers and sisters. That's an excellent step to take, like meet the person in their environment, like the same way Jesus taught us, like we have to meet people where they are. Yeah. Um, And yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. There is going, there could possibly be pushback too. But, like, you also have to keep in mind that the thing that we're fighting for is way bigger than our comfort. Like, for us as the church, we want to see, like, all people loved and valued the way that Jesus loves and values them. We want to see, like, the glory of God shown throughout the entire earth that people come to know him. Mm. Like, it's worth getting uncomfortable for. There's going to be rejection. There's going to be pushback. But for the people that you win when you step out in love like that is always worth the reward always every time um i recently had uh i was at a friend of mine we got invited to a friend's birthday party these are a couple friends of mine that i know from church um we get to the house and my buddy's wife has a sister whose birthday it was Uh, we were there with their family and uh her her boyfriend at the time who's like never met, like, from what my buddy tells me, I was like the only black guy he's ever talked to. So for me, I was like, yo, I'm stoked. I'm glad that I got a chance to be the person to like represent my culture like that. Like, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. Like I'm glad his, his run in on an intimate level wasn't with like a person that was unable to handle that type of like um, environment. So I was really blessed to be part of that. Yeah. Um, So my, my buddy's wife's dad was there in the house as well. And like, as we're going in, shaking hands, we never want, uh, the gentleman doesn't shake my hand. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of, he seemed like he was preoccupied uh, eating dinner or whatever it was, or so be it. Um, so we're there for like maybe 10 to 15 minutes and eventually he ends up leaving. So my buddy's wife was like, Hey, like, where did my dad go? Like, why did he leave? And apparently her sister told her that the dad left because he said it was starting to get too dark in here. So upon hearing that, it was like, it was really hard because this literally happened like three weeks ago. So before like everything got crazy and out of control, like to know that that's something that people still carry is like severely and extremely unfortunate. Yeah. So for me in that moment, I had a choice. Like 
this and I found out after we left, like the day after. So it wasn't there when I was there with or among him that I found this out. So um the rest of that night actually ended up being a really good night. Um the boyfriend ended up opening up about his inability to trust and believe God because he's seen so much pain, so much struggle in his life. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, like the fact that you like pulled up a chair, man, like you don't know me for anything, but you put up yeah. a chair and you faced me. You actually just heard me talk. Like I never had anyone just like do that for me. And like that, that means a lot to me as a person. Like I really appreciate the fact you did that. You didn't have to, like you could have just wrote me off and like, Oh, this guy's just rambling. But like, thank you for like listening to me. And like, after leaving that house, my buddy told me, like, his friend was like, dude, I really wish my friends were like your friends. Um, so we rejoice in the fact that God was doing the work there, while at the same time, the the racism or prejudice that I experienced actually still did happen. Yeah. So I had a choice whether I would allow that to ruin my night or to celebrate the thing that God was doing in a new heart. So I had I definitely chose the latter. Um it's severely unfortunate, man, that there are some people who unfortunately will not come around yeah. no matter what you do, no matter how how affable or approachable you make yourself in public, no matter how well your diction is, no matter what school you go to or where you're educated from or what you do, how professional, it doesn't matter for some people, unfortunately, and like, that's a hard truth I had to learn to accept, but I'll do it again if it means that I could have another conversation with that gentleman all over again. I will bear that weight if I have to. Sick. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I've I've had a few stories, similar ones. Um, if you don't mind, you want me to share? Yeah, man, that'd be. I'm totally. I think this is valuable. You know, for. I, I well, okay. one I love um, your, you know, just like uh, even just that situation. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Feel free, man. Okay. Um, so uh, I was about, I want to say I was around 17, 16, 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got involved with a young lady uh, who was white. Uh, first girlfriend ever interracial dating relationship. I'm like, I always kind of knew in my head that these things will kind of have like a certain weight behind them. But at the time I was too young to understand what that would actually look like fleshed out. So I just figured she's cool. I'm cool. We like each other. Like what's the big deal. But apparently uh, for this young lady's family, it was like very much so a dividing line. Yeah. Um, her, her grandfather was vocally racist to me around me really um yeah it was it was terrible it was really really bad at at Um, like at like 17 you're saying yes yeah yes like very vocal very outspoken he was not about our relationship at all Mm -hmm. and what a lot of people don't know is normally in an interracial relationship if there's like a white family and a black family if if the family who's holding a prejudice basically um, is calling the shots in that relationship, that person could be essentially cut off from their family for choosing to date a person outside the culture. Yeah. Um, which in her case was something that she had to basically go against. And her grandmother was, she was, she wasn't racist. Her grandmother was prejudiced. I would say there's a difference. Her grandfather was definitely a racist man without question about it. But her grandmother was more prejudiced than she was racist. 
but she loved her granddaughter and she was a good grandparent and she she had she had a right and reason to be apprehensive i was a knucklehead when i was younger so she she had reason to kind of have some reservations about me for sure but out of her love for the, the individual lady i was dating at the time she decided to like hold out for hope because she saw that us being together was producing good things in her so eventually after months of like dating her her grandmother comes around and begins to open up to me more we begin to open up to each other and out of that place we actually began to build a really tight relationship um like her grandmother fell in love with me and i did with her the same way um and from us having such an odd and terrible start um towards the end of our relationship we were just all like a family we were together and it was really cool and uh i recently messaged her not too long ago to tell her thank you for like standing in a gap for me yeah because at the time i was too young to realize what she actually had to go through and how much weight that put on her yeah but i was like man like thank you so much for like holding it down for me like i didn't know that you being with me could have ultimately meant that you were like like cut off from your family like I didn't know that that was the pressure you were dealing with but the fact that you like loved me and cared for me enough to like basically go through that like that goes to show like you were real like and I appreciate that so much about you um but that's another instance where like I had a choice where I could dwell on the fact that her granddad hated my guts even though he knew nothing about me Mm. or the fact that even before I was really walking with the Lord that God was doing something really awesome in her grandmother so there's always going to be where there's breakthrough, there's going to be opposition. So I've, yeah. I've kind of learned at a young age to almost expect that. Yeah. Do you remember like the, well, I, I'll, I'll just say this. Um, I posted recently that like the, the closest thing to like racism that I've experienced is someone mistaking me for a different race and saying something ignorant, um, mm-hmm. which uh, really to me was it, like, there was no offense to me, but it like pissed me off that he thought I was something that I wasn't and had the nerve to say something like that about me, you know? Um, and just like the fact that, and it, it was basically a Middle Eastern slur and said, what's wrong with his face? And it like, just, Jeez. but my thought was like, are you saying this about people that are actually from that culture? Like he said it to Kendra and she told him off. Um, so it was like about me, but it was just like, I, my thought was like, yeah, yeah. Well, gosh, (laughs) man, uh, I've told so many people in the last couple of weeks with everything going on, like, just like how stoked I am for her. Um, there were relationships I was in, in, in the past that I remember just like really insensitive, terrible jokes that I will not repeat because there's no need to, um, but it's not stuff that I repeated back then, you know, cause I was just like, we're telling it amongst friends or whatever. Um, uh, which wasn't okay, obviously, but like, that's where my head was. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Kendra doesn't put up with crap at, at all. Like she's, <laughs> she's not one to play. <laughs> no, I'm not, like, uh, even if there are inklings of that, I think she's just experienced, you know, she's seen damage done people that she loves um and just like there's to her there's no part that's funny about it if it comes at the expense of someone that is isn't even in the room you know she's just like yeah it's 
it's kind of kind of fun to to hear her and see her tell people off uh, uh to be honest with you just because like she's very passionate about that and like she's that's a really great example for that um there it is. But, but yeah there was like this thing of like yeah i've experienced that one time and it wasn't even accurate and it's like how many ignorant people are actually saying that to or about people that it does offend and not just does offend, but like does dehumanize, you know, like it's not about, Oh, I take offense to that. It's more like, no, you made them, you, you, you express that you see them as less. <laughs> like, um, yeah. And that's obviously yeah. freaking not okay. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, like that experience um, as a 17 year old man, like uh, what's kind of, I don't know, maybe the first personal experience that you had, if you don't mind sharing. Um, I don't know if even something comes to mind that, that you're just kind of like, all right, like I, I'm seen as less because of my skin in the, view, in the, in the eyes of somebody else. And um, I think that that dating experience was the first time that really hit home for me. Yeah. Um, Cause I, like at the time genuinely cared about this woman, you know what I mean? And doll was young and I didn't personally see like what the big deal or big issue was being in a relationship with her and getting to know her. Um, her family just thought she was making the worst decision of her life being with me, despite the fact that they knew nothing about me, yeah. you know, and like to, to feel dehumanized, man, like it hurts and it hurts on many different levels. Like, for one for a person to to label you something that they don't know you to be otherwise that's painful mm-hmm. and also at the same time for someone to basically take your potential for good or your trajectory for greatness and basically say it doesn't exist that that hurts just as bad it hurts even worse yeah and I, I mean, not only do you think that i'm a terrible person but you don't think i could possibly do any good whatsoever like to be completely written off to that level, like it, it's an emotional pain that that can manifest um, in either a hard time, like it can it can manifest in an identity crisis. Actually, yeah, um, it can even uh, manifest in like words of anger and lashing out, or the worst of it, where it becomes well. Now, since this person seen me like this, all people are now they all see me like this yeah so now i'll never disclose myself or i'll never open myself up again to a conversation with a person like this ever for the rest of my life and only that i will teach my kids not to do the same thing yeah yeah it's it sucks dude it really sucks mm-hmm. um that was one the, of the things go ahead i was going to say like the distinction that as you're talking that i was thinking is like we've all had preconceived, you know, like judgments against us, but not because of anything that's out of, out of my control, you know, like mm-hmm. um, there've been lots of things that like facts about my life that like, I know that pain enough when it's like, you didn't even talk to me, but like to, yeah. I mean, like, that's something that like, I can't even, like, I can't even relate to just to be honest, you know, and and yeah, and I won't, you know, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, and that that's kind of the difficult thing. Um, I remember early on, just early on, like a few weeks ago, I feel like this year, man, 
like every like few weeks feels like months um but uh but a lot of growth <laughs> yeah tremendous but, amount yeah but like even a few weeks ago just like feeling like i want to try to understand i want to try to understand and then it's like like i like i, I can't you know like um the, the only thing i can do is listen you know like uh, mm-hmm. and that's like where my heart's been with uh with things um and just it's a good place to be yeah well not just it's listen. a good place to be yeah listen yeah, i mean and not shut my mouth about the fact that like not just black lives matter but like black lives are precious like i, I saw a thing that i don't know if this is true or not but mm-hmm. who cares the thought is really cool um but uh that i saw a thing that like a common phrase in south korea right now is uh and it showed like the Korean um, deal and then just said like, it, it, do, it doesn't just translate black lives matter, but it translates black lives are precious, which was just like, yeah. Really cool. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. But I'm sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off. But. Oh no, you're good. Um, yeah. It is being, being a person right now during this time that wants to actually listen, understand, is one of one of the many first steps towards like I feel like healing for a lot of people. Yeah. Um our our culture has carried a lot of weight in America over the years. And like to be honest, we're not even that far away from Jim Crow. If you really think about it, we're like one generation away. So like there is still so much history and so much pain and so much burden and so much hurt that is like now coming to the forefront, you know, and for people to to be aware of the fact that um, there, there was a few things that the Lord kind of showed me about this whole thing that kind of we're in right now. One of the things that was like a hard truth that he was walking me through was like grieving. The, the nation is in grieving. Black people, our culture is in grieving right now. Um, and grieving is neither tame nor is it linear. Mm. Um, and it can take so many different forms where like some days it's just profound and utter sadness. And there's some days where it is anger and rage and righteous indignation. And there's some days where it's complete numbness, where you feel like you have no more tears left for what's happened because you're just so over being seen this way. And the fact that you feel like things haven't gotten any better, there's days where the days aren't so bad and happy things happen, you know, like, there was the other day where I was driving my car and the state trooper who was in like a, uh, a motorcycle, who's an older guy, older white guy, he put up next to me and he complimented my plugs. <laughs> and I was just like, man, that's pretty cool. He's like, dude, how long can you be growing those out? So I was like, ah, it's been about seven years. He's like, man, that looks crazy. Yo, be safe. And he like pulled off on his bike. And I'm just like, there are days like that where it's like, everything doesn't suck, but that process of grief like those emotions can come at any given moment and they can change on the dime yeah but to have people that are aware of that and to know that the best thing to do is to be with a person and to listen there is always a time for truth because truth never changes but to be sensitive and knowing when to speak said truth i think right now is a thing that people need to become more aware of um because it, it'll be as if a person is mourning losing a loved one even though for a lot of us, this loss was not like a family member personal, we can empathetically put ourselves in 
Ahmad's or like Mr. Floyd's shoes in any given point because it's happened for so long. Um, so for a lot of us, the grieving is a real place. And to know that we're not being told to like shut up and just get over it or like, well, this happens to everybody or it happens to these people too. It's like when, when grief is personal, there's a time to speak into it and there's a time to listen. So I feel like listening is a great and tremendous place to start. And then eventually from there, Lord willing, a conversation can happen, a perspective can be given. But I think right now the wound is still so fresh for a lot of people that um, I don't think a lot of people are really wanting to hear right now or like, not like not wanting to hear. I want to say that very carefully. They're, they're so hurt that they can't really see past what happened. I'll better say. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, um, yeah, like stages of grief, right? I mean, um, just kind of, I think it's a very, uh, maybe American thing to like want to fast track, you know, and like not not linger in the anger too long or, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just like, you do realize like if you're not letting people be angry, like you're, they're not going to, like you're not going to heal, you like, you know, like. Um, yes there was a man a mutual friend of ours i'm not gonna say her name um but i remember gosh i think i've shared this to you with you before it was one of the coolest conversations and it was just like very brief um but she sat down with me and we were just uh i think at a house show at some friend's house um but she just said i don't remember her exact words but she said something along the lines of like there was a time that you were like really heavy on uh, pursuing forgiveness. Um, and I was in a relationship where I was being very mistreated. Um, and, uh, I almost felt like there was pressure to just forgive and move on. Um, and, uh, to like, to the point that the like abusive mess that I was in was not acknowledged. Um, that, that wasn't a conversation that she had with me at the time. I, so I, you know, I didn't know the scenario. Um, yeah. that, but that was how she heard it was that like your current pain is not, um, maybe is not as bad as you are perceiving it to be. And like, you need to pursue forgiveness where it's just like, she's here in mm-hmm. maybe a place of denial or like of anger, you know, like, you can't ask someone to get to that point when you haven't listened, you know, and like the whole Martin Luther King Jr. thing, you know, the whole, the riot is the language of the unheard. It's like a lot of people I I feel have been like posting that a lot of white people. um, I'll just say it how I've seen it um, as far as like friends almost saying like using that as like justification for riots when it's more so like, I think the message there is they're not being heard. <laughs> like the message yeah, is not the message is not break crap, you know, like the message is they're not being heard. You know, like Yeah. There's a very specific difference between an excuse and a reason. Um in a sense that excuses is like a relinquishment of accountability. Yeah. While an excuse is just literally an explanation of the said behavior. Um so like yes what Martin Luther King wrote was 100% true. That is a reason for the behavior. It is not an excuse for the behavior. Yeah. So 
yeah, 100% on that. Like, and it's, <laughs> I said this to a friend of mine, like, it, it's hard being Black in America, period. But it's even harder being Black in America and believing the gospel. Because in light of all the the crap that has happened over the years, like hundreds of years, even since like back to going towards slavery and things like that, like the fact that African-American people are able to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is nothing short of a miracle. Because there were atrocities done in the name of the church that were done under God's house. You know what I mean? Like, and for us, Where's I going with that? Oh my gosh. Well, you, so, said, you said it's uh, really difficult to. Uh, yeah, to be, to be black and to believe the gospel because like we're taught, like you were saying, like we have to forgive our oppressors, forgive those who like trespass against us. You know, like we have, that is gospel truth. There is nowhere around that. That is red letter, red letter Jesus, like straight out the mouth of Christ himself. And if it's one thing that I know about red letters that you don't argue red letter, you mm-hmm. bow before red letter. If you're a Christian, you say amen before red letter. There's no caveats, nothing to it. Um, the hard thing is like you were saying, if we're in a place where we're trying to force forgiveness to happen quickly, it's not going to be authentic and it's not going to last. If anything, it's going to build more resentment and more anger because the Lord was not able to properly work with that person through the emotions. What makes God so sufficient is the fact that he's willing to walk with us in the dirtiest parts of our emotions, in the most wildest parts of our emotions to bring us back to a place of understanding. Mm. And if we don't allow him that process, if we don't allow him to be that sufficient, God will never trust him as that. And anytime anything happens, it'll be a trigger moment and we're reverting back to the same behaviors, mm-hmm. you know? So like we have to allow forgiveness to be authentic. There's not going to be a quick fix band-aid, like we can throw on this thing that's going to heal it overnight in a couple weeks, in a couple years. There is a long road of progression that we have to take and we have to, we have to have a thick skin and we have to have a resolve that what we're fighting for is worth the persecution or worth the arguments or worth like the, the family rift that it's going to bring. Because like Jesus even said, like in the last days when he was telling the apostles, like, because the world is growing so cold, like, and the crimes and, like, the injustice of the world and also, like, just the evil in the world, like, the hearts of many will grow cold. But those who endure to the end will be saved. Like, mm-hmm. I'm telling you these things so that when they happen, you won't be afraid, but that you will know and remember that I have told you these things are going to happen. So there's a long road ahead for all of us in this thing, but we have to endure and we have to, like, persevere which those are like two different things in and of themselves. You have perseverance, which is basically saying that I resolve here for to press into this goal ahead of me, regardless as to my opposition or even regardless as to whether or not I fail, I'm still going to go for it. I'm still going to like make that happen. While endurance on the other hand is kind of similar, but it's different. Endurance says that even if what I'm striving for causes me to suffer, I will endure it patiently and I will wait until the Lord delivers me. So like without both of those things, like we can't possibly hope to see any change if we give out too soon. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, just touching on that, um, I'm going to give like an example and then kind of come back around. But um, 
I don't know, let, let's just say like in a relationship, let's just say in a marriage, let's just say there's uh infidelity, you know, like one mm-hmm. person cheats. Um, I've talked with friends that have been like, man, like I've admitted that I was wrong. I've asked for forgiveness, you know, like I cut, cut off that relationship. Um, and the question is like, but, but she can't let it go. And it's just like, your responsibility is not to put a time frame on the healing process of the person that you've hurt. Um, someone from the outside can talk to you about, look, man, like you're holding on to bitterness, you know, like mm-hmm. let's walk through this. But like, if you're the person that just caused the hurt or if your ancestors are the ones that caused the hurt, um, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of like a tough thing for me until recently. It was just like, man, like, I don't know, like I've never been openly racist. I've never done A, B, and C, but it's like, no, but I've perpetuated things. I've been complicit in my silence. Um, I've seen it as not my responsibility because it was back then. Um, but like in reality, it's like, no, like I, even, even, even in those statements, I haven't been listening. You know what I mean? Like, uh, let's maybe start with there. Like, open your open your ears and listen. Like, mm-hmm. and that's like one thing that um, has been on my heart is like, just like repenting for not listening, because it's like, yeah, you know, like these. It's not just like someone pulling something out of their butt and being like, uh, "This was done to us," and you know, like it's it was, it's very real, like, very much uh, so, yeah, and just, like, to disregard things like that, um, but, uh, I will say also, like, with the slavery thing, there are people that still think that the Bible is pro-slavery, and not just Yikes. people, I think that there are many people, uh, I'd say maybe mo- mostly people that haven't, like, really delved into the Bible stance, um, I haven't done a study on it, but I've heard enough people say what about the bible being pro-slavery to know that it's a commonly understood misconception where wow. the reality um yeah so G- you know you brought up jesus talking about forgiveness and those red letter things um mm-hmm. we have like in the epistles talking about like obedience to your master and it's like who the f was <laughs> the audience of that Right. Context definitely makes a huge difference. The the audience was the people that were being oppressed. Like how dare someone use that as ammunition to hold someone down? Oh, yeah. Like, um like you you must obey me because you're you're commanded to be obedient. Like that's yeah, some of the most manipulation crap mm-hmm. in the world. Um so yeah, like considering like that's the that's one of the roots of that mindset of like, you know, maybe even rec- recognizing that like, all right, if you're a, a Christian black man, like you're commanded to, you know, I don't know, like as a Christian man, like rec- like just knowing that like biblically you're, there is like that obedience to the, to those in authority over you, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, everywhere else it's just like you're as someone in in authority um 
you're called to a higher standard uh, for one. Yep. <laughs> I mean, like that's bare minimum. Um, but also like to own people that was not giving permission at all. Yeah. <laughs> like at we, all. we weren't, we weren't talking about like bond servants, which was a common thing back then where yeah. if a person owed a debt, they would sell themselves as a worker to a family to pay off the debt so that their kids wouldn't go be sold into slavery. So like a father would like sell himself out and hire himself out for X amount of years to pay a debt off. That's not going to a foreign country stealing its inhabitants and then forcing them to do labor in the name of economy. Like that's very different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very, like, very different. And then using the word of God to oppress those people further, like deplorable and despicable to say yeah. the least. Mm. And that's one thing that's been really refreshing to me is like, I've seen so many, uh, well, bands, magazines, organizations, um, even kind of like the conservative, um, like, you know, contemporary Christian music field, um, mm -hmm. come out and just say like, black lives matter. Like, we don't care if this loses us an audience. We don't care if we come under fire about this. We need to be of repentant hearts for the things that have been justified in this country in the past mm -hmm. and still, and that have not been acknowledged, you know? Um, and that's been like, every time I see that, I'm just like, heck yeah. Bless you know, the like, Lord. Um, and like, there have been a few that I've seen that like, I mean, comment threads, stay away from those in general. Um, yep. but, just, but just like people lighting them up that they're just like, I thought more of you to like, you know, fall into the, the culture and all this stuff. And they've just been unapologetic. We're just like, needs to be said needed to be said a very long time ago and it mm -hmm. hasn't been said and look at the mess that we've brought ourselves into you know like by by not admitting acknowledging and repenting of of past things you know like wanting to just be like well that was terrible but it was in the past let's just not talk about it like it's it's very shameful to revisit it's like i'm sorry but like our shame over something that was done. Yeah. I don't know. Is, is nothing compared to the horrors of what was done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't pale a comparison. Like what, what a person will be losing by holding on to not admitting that, you know, this was a terrible, like racially charged crime. Like they, by not saying like black lives matter, they basically will be saying like, well, I'm just risking my pride that I didn't work hard in America and that the things that I've had were like, like I'll be acknowledging the fact that like I've had an unfair advantage over other people. Like not to say that be, my skin color didn't make my life harder. That's the only thing that you'll be laying down while the other person will be basically gaining like the acknowledgement that for hundreds of years there has been mistreatment of African-Americans in America since the very beginning. Like, we fought in wars that we never got a chance to like actually live the liberties of like world wars. We were soldiers in wars. Like we, we built like the country essentially its economy, like was on our backs from cotton, like from back in the day. And like, mm -hmm. there, there are so many things that have happened historically that like, there was a moment in time in history where I was seen as two thirds of a person. Yeah on this American soil. Yeah. 
and that time was not too long ago <laughs> you know what i mean so like if you if you think about those things like it it, it would ultimately be a no-brainer if we've ever come any further in seeing and understanding that we want to love one another we want to value one another it, it should be a no-brainer you know mm-hmm. what i mean like there is definitely to say that there has not been mistreatment would just be a lie it would just be a terrible lie yeah and to sugarcoat you know? it as that was a long time ago it's like right well if it was a long time ago let's call it up for the crap that it was you know like you know like what right? what harm is there in saying it was horrible never should have happened and we're still paying not we uh, like as a collective culture everyone is paying for that i, I guess like on the on the mindset on the psyche on everything mm-hmm. you know like um just running through every area of the culture um yeah like that to me that would seem like the most common sense thing to do mm-hmm. but unfortunately for some people who won't see it that way and can never see it that way like um i, I just pray for them you know mm-hmm. um i'm like past the point of hating yeah particular individuals who refuse to see and understand the fact that there has definitely been mistreatment and misconduct for a very long time towards african-americans um despite the fact that we have come a long way mm-hmm. we are still bearing the burdens of the things that happened in the past and there's a whole culture of people who have seen injustice played out left and right who have seen people who have peacefully protested hosed down by fire hydrant hoses yeah. had dogs sicked on them um in their non-violent protests were attacked viciously by police officers and beaten to death, shot, killed, murdered, lynched, hung on trees. Like, mm-hmm. to say the least, like, there have been deplorable things that have happened um, in the history of this country that to this day still play in the psyches of people. And to not acknowledge that those things actually happen, you'll be doing a terrible disservice for unity in this country, I believe. Yeah. And especially in the church, to turn a deaf ear away from it. Why Jesus clearly tells us to do the opposite. Yeah, and I've I've heard a lot of uh, pastors like with platforms say that like that the church, not every church, mind you, but like mm-hmm. the, the big church, C church. Yeah, um, manipulated scripture to oppress people in this country, mm-hmm. and still does to some extent. You know, um, we need to be we need to be the ones first and foremost to call it out, you know, repent of yeah. it, um, not tolerate it, you know? Um, and that if we're not, it's like, what right do we have to be called the church? You know, I mean, honestly. Yeah. What Jesus do we model at that point? Yeah. Um, like you have the story of the good Samaritan that happened in scripture where like the, the two people that walked by, I believe if I recall the story correctly, there was one of the gentlemen who was, of the exact culture and ethnicity as the man who was beaten to death on the side of the road. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't blink an eye at the guy. He just kept walking past. And a Samaritan who wasn't of his culture seen this man in pain and took him upon, took it upon himself to take personal responsibility for this guy in pain. Um, just because he was hurting mm-hmm. and he made provisions for this gentleman to have a place to stay and to make sure his things were taken care of. Like maybe he didn't adopt the guy, but he didn't leave him on the side of the road to die like alone and by himself. Um, That says a lot of the Lord that we serve who not only made his love available for people 
of his culture who are Jewish, but also for non-believers and believe like for people who are Gentiles who are outside of the culture and outside the ethnicity, like Christ made provisions for all of us. And we wouldn't be, we would not be a church of justice if we were to basically say that only X, Y, and Z amount of people are worth the love that Jesus poured out. Mm-hmm. I would, that would be a terrible thing to say. And I would not want to meet the Lord on my last day under having loved under that circumstance or under that provision. I wouldn't want to do it. For sure. Um, Kel, we've been talking for a while. Um, my original thought was like maybe 20 or 30 minute conversation. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we, I feel like we could just keep going, but um want to, I guess, kind of be mindful of the fact that we'll be posting this and, you know, kind of asking people to watch it, but um, sure. I guess like one more thought um, to just kind of get your take. Um, one thing that you have taught me and that I remember you saying just that uh, a lot of people mean well, but they mean well terribly um, yeah. so along those lines. Um, so uh, I, I, I guess kind of my thought has been, I've been posting a ton of stuff just because I've been fired up a lot lately and just kind of um, disgusted by like seeing certain things being justified. Um, and uh, it, there's part of me that wants to keep addressing those things, but there's another part of me that's like, I don't know if more harm is do- being done to, uh, to my black friends who are reading some of the things that are said, you know, mm-hmm. like people are not concepts, you know, like uh, when we say, once anytime someone says like, yeah, I don't really believe that there's racism or prejudice. It's like, just kind of, there are times that it's just like, I don't even know if it's worth putting out in like a public conversation like this. And that, and sure. there, there's part of me that wanted to even do this with you and others so that it wasn't a conversation <laughs> with people in a comment thread, but it was more yes. so like, let's give you the chance to speak let's listen to to Calvin, you know, like, let's not debate um, about like, oh, was his experience legit? But just like, nope, like, kind of listen up and shut up. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. If, if there have been some things that you're just like, man, kind of wish like, that wasn't even brought up because like the um, things that were brought out of people as a result have done more damage. Mm. Um, I mean, I've been telling a few of my friends who have been reaching out to me like recently. Um, they've been so gung ho and like so like on the front lines and like in within their sphere of influence and also within like the world of Facebook is is so hard and it's so difficult. Um, I feel like there's a time and place to go public with like thoughts and feelings and things like that. A hundred percent. Well, also, I feel like there could be a greater wisdom also in letting the conversations, like you said, be personal. Um, and also with people within your your sphere of influence that God has given you that will be willing to listen and hear you. Um, for me, I've been telling them, like, try to limit yourself to maybe one or two conversations a day at the most, because you can become mentally taxed by trying to take all this on. And for a lot of a lot of my white friends, they feel as if like, if they're not going to say anything, like they feel like their voice has to speak for like 20 or 30 different silent white people. 
So it's like a pressure. Like if I don't say anything, then who will? Like who else is going to speak? So like, I know a lot of you guys are tired. I'm tired. <laughs> I understand. And I, I stand with you guys 100%. Like, um, if you, if you, for your own mental health, I would say, like, just limit your conversations to people you know specifically in your sphere, not people who are outside of your sphere, who don't know anything about you, that don't know anything about your story, your background, and try to explain to them things that are really near and dear to your heart while they have no lens by which to interpret those things. Mm -hmm. um, it will end up doing more harm than good. Um, I think for, for me specifically, I have a hard time trying to explain myself to a person that has already pre-committed in their heart that they're going to misunderstand me. I think we've all been there where that's like the worst feeling ever when you're trying to be open and honest to a person that no matter what you say or do, you can do nothing right. Yeah. Um, that will hurt you more than it would actually hurt the person. Sure. So I want to say that it will be, it'll, it'll, there is a time and place to go public, but there's also a time and place to go private and to go like conversational. Because the, the point of a conversation is to actually talk one to another and exchanging of ideas and exchanging of perspectives, not just to have the discussion for the sake of having the discussion. Because that doesn't help anybody. Both of you guys are mad. Neither of you guys heard one another because you're both waiting on your time to talk. Like, that's not a productive conversation. So I've been purposely trying to aim more for the productive conversations um, in hopes of finding people who will want to know who would ask the questions, you know, who would ask me personally, like you were doing, like, how has this affected you as a person? Like, what have your experiences been? Like, that means a lot. And also like there, as far as the internet world goes, like there were a couple things that the Lord has shown me about everything that's going on. There's like a few hard things that he told me and I wrote a couple of them down. So I wanted to kind of like go through them if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. Okay. So, um, a lot of the hard things that he showed me said the first hard thing was Calvin only I can ultimately change the cold heart of man at the end of the day I cannot make a person see through my lens as much as I may feel as if it's what they need at the time ultimately is the Lord's work that's going to make that genuine and make it stick mm. there's a difference between information and revelation information is what man tells you revelation is what God tells you we can live knowledgeably from information, but we live wisdom through revelation. So there's a huge difference there. Um, people are not going to accept you. And I think that goes for whether you're black, white, Hispanic, whatever your ethnicity or culture is, that's just a general rule of thumb for the world. Like there are gonna be people flat out who do not like you, do not care to like you, will not care to get to know you. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you achieve. Yeah. Um, I think that's life period. And we all have to be at a place and understand that we're not called to be influential to the entire world, but to those that we're called to within our sphere of influence. Um, the third one was expect opposition because whenever you stand for justice, that requires both perseverance and endurance. You got to have a thick skin to push this thing forward. I think for a lot of us in church, we've seen and done ministry long enough to understand that like you got to get used to it is not going to change. This thing is not going to get any easier for any of us. Um, if anything, it's going to get harder because both sides are very vocal about how they feel and they're very aware of one another's feelings. So if anything, we have to push even harder to become more approachable 
in our conversations and also in our conduct that these productive conversations can actually take place. Um, this was a hard one that I had to kind of accept and I'm asking for the Lord for wisdom because this one hits me personally. Um, as a black man, I will, I basically am going to carry the weight of the gospel and also the weight of my entire people and culture on my back wherever I go from this day forward. Um, that hasn't changed since I was younger, unfortunately, but now more than ever, the burden of proof is going to be on me and I have to accept that responsibility to be the change in the world that I want to see. Um, and as well that I have to continue regardless of the things that I've experienced racially and the injustices that I've gone through personally to resolve to love as Jesus has called me to. And whoever I win in the process of doing that, they're worth the people that I ultimately lose by being who he's called me to be. So like, I have to accept that responsibility. Is it fair? Absolutely not. Does it suck? Sometimes, yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. um, it, it sucks to feel like you speak for all black people among your white friends because they don't have another person like you to talk to. Um, yeah. It sucks to feel like you're the only representation that they'll ever have of like African-American people or culture or background. So like every word you say carries specific weight because they don't have another rubric to judge it by. You know what I mean? So like I have to speak very carefully around like my white friends about things, you know, and does it, does it suck? At times it does, but is it worth it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the things that I had to resolve within myself. Um, did you have any questions about that? Nah, nah I'm just no. taking okay. it. Um, um, another, th another thing that he was telling me is that I don't speak for all black people. Uh, praise God. Uh, <laughs> but I do represent us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I want to be cognitively aware of that. Like I do not have the power or the authority to speak for all African-American people. So if you're, if you guys are listening to this right now, um, you're getting Calvin's thoughts. If you can commiserate with anything that I'm saying, then like, that's awesome. And that's good. But like, my convictions may not be your convictions. And that's totally and completely okay. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But I do represent my culture. I do represent African American people to people who don't know who have yet to understand that we could be more than what they've been culturally predisposed to. Um, and I'm willing to take that on. Um, and one of the other things that he taught me is that there is an extreme of what's going on right now where you have uh, people who are like hella racist and you got people who are hella hurt. Um, Holy Spirit didn't say hella. I said that <laughs> just to be sure. <laughs> so you got people on one side of the spectrum who are just like, I am stuck in my ways. I am a supremacist. This is how I view things. Is how I'll always view things. This has been tradition for my family. This is this is what gives me the ability to live and breathe as a person. I can't do anything about that person. Me right now as I am. I will only exhaust myself in conversations with an individual that way. On the other end, and I will speak for my side as African American people, we have people on our end that are so hurt and so like over traumatized through the past events that they can only identify themselves as people of oppression. They will never see themselves as the ability to like be more or see more because they're already, they're basically already given up the fight because other people before them, they haven't seen many people on their end win. I guess I would better say. Yeah. 
So for those people who basically are choosing to stay hurt, to stay oppressed, to stay victimized, as a black man even, I can't do anything about them either. There are these two extremes that will never meet. I have to make peace with they are who they are. Yeah. For my white friends who are in the middle who don't know but are trying and desire to understand, we can work with that. For our black people here on this side that have just been sick and tired of being sick and tired and want to see change happen and not wanting to hold on to like that identity that I am only a victim in America and I can never accomplish anything. For those people, we can work with that too. So I feel like this is our sphere right in the middle. We can't do anything about the extremes, but right here in the middle, a lot of the work is getting done in this place. So for me, I want to make sure that for those friends, I'm having those conversations with them. Mm. I want to open myself up to understanding people, even if it seems as if they don't ask like the right questions, the fact that they want to know, that means a lot for us. And I feel like a lot of our white friends are underthanked for their contributions to this whole effort. Because without you guys, like, we would honestly, will be fighting this fight by ourselves and we will continue to be unhurt. But it makes such a difference to see people who don't necessarily share our cultural background stand in solidarity with us in the fact that injustice is happening. This is super wrong. And it's about damn time we change and do something about it. Mm. You know, so I want to congratulate anyone listening who is like white that is wanting to understand these things. As hard and as awkward as the conversations are, like your presence in this whole fight is so necessary. And I want you guys to feel appreciated and encouraged in your efforts and what you're doing to move the ball up court because it'll be hella hard without you guys. And I'm grateful, eternally grateful for each of you. So thank you. Um, there was uh, one more thing. Yeah, you're, you're accountable to the people in your life, personally, that you know, in your sphere of influence that God has given you to have these conversations with. You're not accountable to the world. You're not accountable to Facebook. We've seen more people who don't know each other try to correct each other, and I think that's where a lot of the chaos happens. But if you have a relationship as, like, the, the foundation of these types of conversations, I feel like they can go a lot better. Um. And one thing that the Lord taught me is that the fight for love is always worth the scars on behalf of the one it wins. And Jesus basically demonstrated this with his very life. The scars that we suffer in our pursuit to see true justice reign here on earth and to see the kingdom come and God's will be done here is going to be worth every scar that we endure on behalf of the people that we win by the love that we display in Christ. For those who are going to be set free, those are the people that we press in for. And for those that that won't receive our message, just like the gospel, like we shake our feet, we dust our feet off, we pray for those individuals, and we continue to pursue the ones that are coming to understand. But there is so much out of our control. and We have to admit that we're not the savior of social media. We're not the savior of, of this movement, and it's not going to heal overnight. It's a long road. Yeah. Yeah. Man, thanks a lot for sharing. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it took me it took me a very long time to get to this point because I was very uh, I was like upfront, extremely upset. Yeah. And the type of person that I am, I try my hardest to like to work through my anger and question why I'm angry before just letting my anger allow me to do things. So I kind of took some time 
on and off social media, basically to get a fuller perspective on what was going on and not just to allow my feelings to talk and me become incoherent and overpassionate. So I am grateful that the Lord has kind of brought me some sober clarity into this moment and some sobriety too, um, a lot of sobriety, which is good because I think we're finally beginning to see that this earth really is not our home mm-hmm. the way that we thought it is. Because if it is, it sure as hell don't look like it. Yeah. And if it is our home, it ain't home for everybody. So we got to really question that too. So yeah, thank you for allowing me to even like be here and to talk and to, like share my heart on things. And I hope to God it was coherent for somebody. <laughs> I didn't just ramble for like 45 to- minutes to an hour, you know? It, it was coherent for me. So, I mean. Okay. Yeah. Cool. If it's just you, I'm dope. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. I just, that's totally fine by me. I appreciate it a ton, man. Thank you so much for treating me as human and nothing less than that, man. Love you, man. That means the world to me. Um, real quick. I had a friend ask me like, what things can I tangibly do right now that would help move forward? And I was telling him like, what you're already doing now, like loving people the way that Jesus loves them, seeing people in the Imago Dei, the image of God in which they're created in, to know that that image is not disposable and to know that it's not replaceable, like that it has eternal intrinsic value not because of what it contributes to society, but because of the image by which it's made in. Like the holy and immortal God saw fit to give man breath. That in of itself is sacred, it's holy, it's set apart, and it's not to be tampered with. Uh, one of the other things that I told him is that if, and I, I like made this like a pact between me and him. I'm like, if you would from this day forward treat every black person that you meet, receive them the same way that you would receive me despite not knowing their stories, despite whether they talk different than me, despite what they may look like or what they may put off on a front. Like if you honor them the same way as you would honor and receive me, and I would do the same thing for people of your race and your culture, I think that's the greatest tangible step right now on an individual basis that we can make towards moving forward. Um, we may not ever see reform in, in legislature, I personally don't believe it will happen because you can't legislate racism out of people. But um, I definitely think that on a tangible interpersonal level, this fight is definitely winnable. And I feel like that's where most of the victory is going to be on an individual basis. It may not be widespread, but you're going to see individuals come alive to love. And I think that's what we want. Good word, man. That's it. I got nothing to add. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, it's not about what, yeah, I don't know. Not about what I think anyway. Like I'm, I just appreciate being like the opportunity to listen, um, and talk and hear your heart. So, yeah, thank yeah, you. I love you so much, man. Love you too, man. I'm gonna stop the recording there, if I, if I can figure out how. There you go.